bless each one this morning. Thank you, Larry, for the introduction, introduction and reading of the scripture there. Welcome to those of you who are visitors. We're glad you can be here with us this morning. Trust you can be blessed and encouraged by being here today. I found myself wondering um, in the last several times I've been studying parables, why I haven't done this more. Like Larry said, the, the parable is not just a story. And, and it's intriguing to me how Jesus used parables and, and told simple stories, down-to-earth stories, that, that the people of the day c- could connect with, and I think we can connect with as well today. And, and yet, uh, the more you look at them, the more you, you see that there's a lot in each of these parables, in these stories, uh, lessons that, that can be learned for us today. <clears throat> Also, I believe in the culture of the day, it was more prominent to uh, teach in, in terms of word pictures or stories and to, to bring out uh, lessons, important lessons in that way. <clears throat> in that way. Like I mentioned the last message, I don't know if you remember the message I preached before that, I had entitled Anticipation, and we were comparing the first coming of Christ to the second coming of Christ, and there uh, the, the call was to watch and be ready because we don't know the day or the hour when he's coming. And then in the last message, I titled that message Preparation. And we considered the, the, talent, the, the parable of the ten virgins and how some were ready and some were not ready. Some delayed and missed the wedding celebration. And the call there was to prepare and to watch because we don't know today. As I looked at this uh, parable, then I was, I've decided to entitle it, to title the message, Approbation. The approbation of the master. Now, who knows what approbation means? What does approbation, this is going to be a language arts lesson of the day, vocabulary lesson. What does approbation mean? Okay, giving out portions, sort of. Uh, No, don't Google. (laughs) Okay, maybe we'll just leave it at that. But think about the first four or five letters of the words are very close to approval, right? And it's very closely connected to approval. Approbation is, is a commendation or a praise, an act of approving formally or officially, um, similar to approval, which signifies positive opinion or endorsement, while approbation implies official sanction or approval. So it's kind of approval to the next level is what approbation means. As we look at this parable, there's, there's four obvious parts of this parable there's the master, there's the profitable servants, and there's the un- unprofitable servant, and then there's the rewards of each of the servants, for each of the servants. And we'll break that up a little bit and just look at this parable, the story as we know it, as Jesus told it. <clears throat> there was this master who was getting ready to go away. And I don't know what that looked like in the day, um, for us today, it might be like 
when we were boys growing up and we went on family vacation, there was chores to do, and so we would assign the chores. We would hire someone to come and take the chores, do the chores. We would, we would give them assignments, and, and, and then um, when we got home, we often wondered if it was worth going on vacation because we had so much catching up to do, right? Well, that way with our jobs today, you know, you have responsibilities, and uh, maybe, um, and, and so you delegate the responsibilities, you give it out. And there's also a part of parables, I think we, we can get, we need to be careful we get too hung up on all the details, because it, I feel like they're more general terminology. But this master was going away, so he called his servants, and he, he delivered his goods, it says. Now, take note, these were his servants. These were people that worked for him, people that knew him. People, these servants owned nothing, we can, we can assume, from the story. They worked for their master, and they had nothing of their own. <clears throat> And he took his goods, his possessions, and divided them out to the servants. Now, it's interesting to me that he didn't just divide the goods evenly. He, divided, he gave the one man five, and the other one two, and the third one he only gave one talent. <clears throat> and then he went on his way. Now, he had some wisdom in what he was doing. He was giving to each of each individual according to their individual ability. King James says in verse 15, according to his several ability. According to each individual's abilities. That's how he divvied out his talents to these men, to these servants. <clears throat> and then he left for his journey. And we don't know if there was any, any indication given to the servants as to how long he would be gone. We just know that he left. And the servants were left with the responsibility of the talents that were given to them. Would he be back soon? Or would he be gone for a long time? I don't think they knew. <clears throat> then, of course, we have the profitable servants, the two profitable servants and the one unprofitable servant. The profitable servants seemed like they were very ambitious men. Verse 16 said, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same. Other, other uh, versions, other translations of this kind of given more of an indication that they went immediately. Like they got to work. These first two got to it. I don't think it's unfair. I think it's, it's okay to assume that they per persevered too. They stuck to it. They stayed at it while their master was away. <clears throat> And I think we can see a little bit about that where he, when he comes back, he commends them for their faithfulness. In the case that, that while he's away, they stayed um, faithful and they stayed, um, they persisted. And it, which reminds me of um, when I was growing up. And I, I don't remember this often, but I do remember at least one time when my dad went away. And I'm guessing that probably all of us had that experience. And he gave us a list of things to do. And the expectation was that these things would be done when he gets back. And you know how we are as boys, or how boys can be, right? 
Um, okay, that looks easy to do. Um, yeah, we'll get to it. And as the day progresses and then soon you forget your list and all of a sudden you're scrambling to get it done and dad comes home, you're not finished and dad is unhappy. Bit of the picture I think that we can get, but these, these two servants got to work and they stayed at it. They persevered in the work that was given to them to do. <clears throat> Verse 19 tells us that the master was gone a long time. <clears throat> then notice their success. Both of these two doubled their, their um, talent. One had, got, had been given five, and he got to work. He invested, and he doubled it. The unprofitable servant, we know what happened. He buried his. We'll get to that. I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of myself because I'm breaking it up. Intersections. Notice with me the, these two that that did well. Their success. They doubled their investments. <clears throat> and notice when the they, when their master came back. Verse twenty. So he that had received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, "Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them." five talents more. I see in this that they came confidently. When the master came back, they were they were they were they were not afraid of his return. They 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 came to him confidently. They came to him cheerfully and obediently and selflessly and they said, "Look, here's the five that you gave me. I've doubled it now there's five more." And the other one of course had two and doubled it for two more. <clears throat> and the master approbated them. He gave them a formal approval of what they have done and promoted them to more responsibility. And then, of course, there's that unprofitable servant who seems to have had a lack of ambition. Not sure what's going on. I pondered this one a little bit. I'm not quite sure how, how, what to make of this. Was he lazy? Was he ungrateful? Um, he did put forth enough energy to take and dig and bury the, the talent. So I don't know, maybe that was less work than than using it. But it was a mistake. And, and it's a glaring mistake. The mistake that he made was that he buried the one talent that was given to him. He apparently had no desire, thank you, to um, make gain for his master. He was afraid of his master, and he said, I'm just going to keep it and put it somewhere in safekeeping. I'm not going to do anything with this. I guess there was a sense of uh, responsibility there in him. But then notice his excuses. When the, when the master came back and, and he gave his talent back to the master, he says, I knew you. He understood his master. He knew how his master operates. And, he, and then he kind of turns it back to him and says, you're a hard man. You're hard to work for. You're, you, you demand, you take what you don't put work into. What you, 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 you take the harvest for what you didn't sow. And I was afraid of that. And so I just buried it here. You can have it back now. <clears throat> and the words of rebuke from the masses, scathing words of rebuke. Thou wicked and slothful servant, you knew me. 
You knew how I operate, is essentially what he's saying. You should have done something as simple as put it to the money exchangers and at least gained a little bit of interest on it. Instead, you did nothing. And he took the little that he had, he took from him and gave to the one who had ten. And then he condemned this wicked, this unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Now, let's keep in mind that this, this parable is going right on the heels of the parable of the ten virgins. And the setting there was the wedding celebration where... And they needed their lamps, right? And, and so the, the supper, the celebration that they were wanting to take part in was at night. And I think that's what we get the picture here. Jesus is kind of building on that. And so um, this unprofitable servant was left out in the night. He was left out into the dark. And if you go back to the um, parable of the ten virgins, I think one of the most painful things that those five foolish virgins experienced was the fact that they could have been in the celebration, but they didn't, and they missed it. And I believe that's a picture that we get here in verse 30. The servant that was cast out of the presence of his master, left out into the dark on his own. Now let's look at, at the application of this parable. And as I mentioned before, it's, it's a fairly simple and obvious parable, and yet there, I think there's some uh, powerful lessons for us to learn here. Remember, too, that this Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And this teaching started after the disciples asked him. Jesus mentioned that the temple would be destroyed in three days. And then they said, when will this take place? And what are going to be the sign of the end of the world? And Jesus moved into teaching them. Uh, His first response was, don't be deceived. And he had teaching and then moved into the parable of the ten virgins and the parable that we're looking at today. Just keep that in mind. And a common thread throughout chapters 24 and 25 here in Matthew is to watch and be ready because nobody knows when he's coming back. So he's still building on that. It's obvious enough to us that the master in this parable is Jesus Christ. And his servants are those who put their trust and their faith in him, those who know him, those who live a life of servants service to him. Matthew specifically uses the words here, his own servants. So it was people that knew the master. Not strangers to Jesus. And as believers today, we are the servants of Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to to consider as we look at the talents that the talents given were given to these three servants. These servants had nothing. In and of themselves, they had nothing. In and of ourselves today, we have nothing. Without God's grace and without the gifting that he gives to us, we have nothing to offer. Any good thing that we have has been given to us. Let's think about that. Any good thing that we have has been given to us. James 1 says, 117 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we're empty in and of ourselves. We have nothing. We need the master's bestowment. Now let's think about the distribution of the gifts. The talents here that the master gave out to his servants, I think 
is we could make the, compare, the, the lesson from it as the gifts and abilities that has been given to each of us as individuals. And somehow in, in God's greatness, graciousness and his goodness and his sovereign wisdom, he entrusts his followers with that which is dear to himself. This master gave his possessions. He divided them out to his three servants. God does that. Jesus does that to us today. He entrusts with, to us. He entrusts his followers with that which is dear to himself. And I'm all, I often marvel at that. He gives gifts and talents and abilities to his fathers, followers, to us. He gives the work of the church to his followers. He gives the care of souls to people like us. He gives the preaching of the word, the ministry of reconciliation. And we could go on and on with things that, that Jesus gives to us and entrusts us with our gifts and gives us gifts and talents to, to work in those things. Many, many opportunities that he gives to us to exercise our talents. But he doesn't give everything the same to everyone. From this parable we learn that he bestows talents on us and then steps out of the picture and lets the outworking up to us. And he bestows the talents to us based on what he knows we're able to do. And then, as it were, steps out of the picture and lets the outworking up to us. I often marvel that how much God lets up to us as individuals, as frail human beings here on earth, to work out his plan. We know he doesn't desert us. He's here for us, as Keith mentioned in his devotional. But he essentially, as I've been saying, he steps out of the picture, and we don't know how long he's going to be going. We don't know when he's coming back. We know he's coming back. That's a given. And we believe it, but we don't know when he's coming back. I'm going to look a little bit now at the unprofitable servant, then we'll come back to the profitable servants for some more lessons. The unprofitable servant, as I mentioned before, was not motivated to improve his talent. I think there was some, was there some unthankfulness there, maybe some entitlement. He was lazy. Rather than put forth effort to improve his ta- talent, he packed it away in safekeeping. He didn't spend it on himself. He didn't lose it. He just stashed it. He had one God-given talent, and he buried it. He wasn't given more than, we could hand- than he could handle. We need to remember that. But he buried what was given to him. And his mistake was, that he didn't even use the one that he had. It could seem unfair that he only got one talent and the other one, others got more. But that's up to God. That's in God's hands to give the talents and gifts as he sees fit. And furthermore, he didn't even use the one that he had. In his selfishness and self-centeredness, he made no effort to improve the one talent that was given to him. All the potential in that one talent was lost. And as if that wasn't enough, then he made excuses for not doing what he had done. He pushed the blame on his master. And I'm kind of revisiting, I am revisiting this now to more apply it to ourselves. He was excusing himself for his actions. He claimed unfairness. You gather where you don't sow. 
And God had no tolerance for that. God has no tolerance for those who misuse or don't use, probably better said, don't use the talents that God has given to us. He will offer scathing words of rebuke to the lazy. God takes it very seriously when he gives so freely, when what he gives so freely is simply not used. He doesn't expect much, but he expects our best. When we do nothing with the talents he gives us, we become subject to his judgment. Now let's go back to the profitable servants and and learn more from them. As I mentioned before, they went to work immediately. And that's the call to us today, is to work with the opportunities that we have, to seize the opportunities, see them, use them, make the most out of them. These two didn't waste time in getting started. Nowhere do we read that they complained that the other one got more than I did or compared their talents with each other. They simply took what was given to them and they went to work and they put it to work, put it to use. And they persevered. It is imperative for us today that we take the gifts that we have, even no matter how big or how small, and that we get to work and that we put it to work for the sake of the, for God's sake, to grow and improve the talent that he has given to us and use it to bless others with. These servants persevered, and they were successful. They remained faithful. They exercised the talents given to them, and they doubled their investment. Notice that they're, it's intriguing to me, too, that they, their, their success was not measured by the totals that they had at the end. It wasn't the one who had the ten at the end, that was worth more than the one who had four. Or even that they were worth more than the one who had one. The amount of talents wasn't the point. What they did or didn't do with it was what mattered. Their success was measured by what they did with what they had. In God's economy, it is more important that we do our best with what he has given to us than that we are the most prominent or end up with the larger amount. God has a work and special spot for each and every gift, no matter how big or how small. 1 Corinthians 12 would have some teaching for that. Where it talks about the gifts and, and the, um, the comedy parts and the more uncomely parts. And then as I think about this, I think maybe we, I tend to miss God, God's way of thinking it because he doesn't see this in, in amounts of big or small but each and every talent that he bestows on each and every one of us is important we may feel small and significant and insignificant i'm sorry let me start again we may feel small and insignificant but if that's where god wants us then that's where we should be and make the most of it we can't all have prominent positions we but we can all excel in this position in the spot and with the responsibility that god has given to us we use terms like more talents or less talents or bigger or smaller and but who defines that in god's economy these two profitable servants when their master came back as i've already mentioned i want to i want to dwell a little bit on the, what took place when 
the master came back. It's a beautiful story. Take a look at this. As I mentioned before, they came confidently. The one that had five, he came with his additional five. The one that had two came with his additional two. And they presented it to the master. They gave it back to him willingly, cheerfully. And, I've, and as I mentioned before, I think they, they approached the master with confidence because they had done the best that they knew how. <clears throat> they both came with guiltless confidence because they had equally done the best they could. It didn't matter whether they ended up with ten or four or one. They had done the best that they could. And they, they had given it all they had. <clears throat> and I believe they knew the master well enough to know that he would be delighted with their accomplishments with whatever it was. And we, have that, we can have that same confidence in Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of how big or how small, how much or how little, but it's what we do for him that matters and that we give to him selfishly, unselfishly. <clears throat> they came with selfless obedience, ready to return the talents to their master. And then notice what happened next. They both were equally approbated. They both received words of approval from the Father. Think about this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. And he uses the same words for the one who had five talents and the one who had two. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. <clears throat> Could there be any words that would be sweeter to hear after we've, done, after we've finished a project, after we've turned in our, our report, our whatever, our work, whatever it is, than to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Words of, affirm, of, of approval. Words of affirmation, words of acknowledgement, words of acceptance. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. In essence saying, come, stay with me, you belong here. Within each human being, deep within us lies this, this desire to, to be accepted, to be approved, to be affirmed. To be acknowledged. <clears throat> Without it, we flounder in insecurity and uncertainty, insecure in ourselves, uncertain of our worth. We long to be affirmed. We long to be approved. We long to be approbated. Without it, we look for cheap substitutes, which can bring nothing more than cheap satisfaction, which only leads to an increased search for more. <clears throat> Where do we look for our affirmation? Where do we look for approbation? Where, whose approval do we seek after? <clears throat> I was debating whether we want to get into this thing of social media and Instagram and influencers and we hear it all the time, right? But I think we should because really think about it. Whose affirmation, whose approval are we looking for? Whose really matters? <clears throat> and I think that's part of the moral of this story of this parable. 
whose approval really matters. Affirmation and acceptance from our fellow sojourners here on the face of the earth is important and necessary. However, we have a master who is our savior. He has traveled to a far country. He has invested in each one of us, every single one, no matter how insignificant you may feel. He has invested in you talents that are specific to you according to your ability. He's not looking at the person with one talent and saying, eh, you're not worth as much as the person with five. It's not the way God sees it. He has traveled to a far country. He has invested in each of us and trusting us with gifts according to our ability. Everything that we have is given to us, and I think that's a key as well in in how we see our gifts and and abilities and talents. It's, It's not about me. It's not for me. It's for him. He has given everything to us. The important thing, the size of the gift is not important. The important thing is that we use the gift that we have, that we invest it in his kingdom, that we grow it, and that we improve it, and that we persevere and stay faithful. Can we set our sights? Can we set our our focus? Can we live beyond the today? Can we look forward to that day and anticipate hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It is important that we persevere and stay faithful. That way, when our day of reckoning comes, we can stand before our master and with confidence and cheerfulness hand our talents over to him, knowing that he will reward us for what we've done and each of us can receive that ultimate approbation. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You, each one of you. There's coming a day when we're going to stand before him. And he's either going to tell us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If we've given him all we've got, if we've done all we can. Or he's going to say, depart from me. What sweeter words could be heard? What greater approbation could be received than those coming from none other than the master of the universe, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ? May we all look forward and consider it, as the Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the course. Tremendous challenge and, and example the life of Paul was. Sometimes we prepare these messages, and then just before we get up to preach, it's kind of like your whole life flashes in front of you, and you feel all the stuff that you've come short of, and now you're supposed to stand and preach this message. I preach that to you this morning. I look forward as one who needs this myself. We get caught up in the daily grind. We get caught up in the everyday, in in the things that we can see and feel and touch. But can we look beyond that and see what God has given to us 
and look forward to that affirmation and approbation from the Father himself. Let's kneel for prayer.